<laughs> oh, you crazy fucks. We're here. We're live. Uh, George St. Pierre is here. Uh, this episode of the podcast. Oh, you hear that? That's me. This episode of the podcast brought to you by Onnit.com. If you go to O-N-N-I-T, use the code name Rogan, you will save yourself 10% off any of the supplements. We've got a lot of no- new stuff there if you haven't been there, especially uh, in the fitness department. We have, uh, of course, the new primal kettlebells that are kettlebells that with a chimpanzee's face that looks like he's biting your dick off. That's what it looks like. That's the look that a chimp makes right when he clamps down on your nutsack. <laughs> Crazy little evil animals. Uh, we also have weight vests, and uh, if you look at all this stuff, it looks like armor. It's not. It looks like steel mace is a weapon. It's not, okay, folks? It's just shit to work out with. Uh, and George St. Pierre will tell you, functional strength is where it's at, right, George? Chin-ups and shit. George is all into gymnastics and bodyweight exercises. Every time I see this pull-up bar, it looks like a hacksaw. Like This is used to cut off your head of your enemy. Yeah, underneath <laughs> that tube where you do the chin-ups, right. it's for uh, pull you got to chop zombie heads off. We've got all all kinds of shit there, like uh, medicine bells and um, and uh, lots of supplements to make your body and mind strong. As a matter of fact, I just took four Alpha Brains right before this show, and I got a solid eight hours sleep. That shit's important, right, George? Absolutely. Fuck yeah, that's George St. Pierre, bitches. <laughs> all right, respect. When he says it's important, it's important. I did not get eight hours sleep. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I believe you. I think I went to bed at seven. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Stamps.com. Uh, Stamps.com is uh, one of the newer uh, sponsors of our podcast. Our podcast? Is that what it is now? It is when you're selling products, right? It's like a podcast. Um, Stamps.com is um, – the way it's set up is a lot of times if you have a small business and uh, people sell out packages and shit, you have to go to the post office and they have to weigh all that stuff. You have to wait in line. It's a pain in the dick. Nobody enjoys it. And the lady, she doesn't want to see you. You're walking up with your big, stupid fucking bundle of packages that she has to weigh. The whole thing takes a long-ass time. And there could be three or four people in front of you, and they're all doing the same thing. You're, you're there forever. Instead of that, you can do it all from your computer. Um, if you buy any of those Death Squad t-shirts from TV that Brian sells, that's exactly where they come from. They're all this uh, stamps.com. So you you set it up so you weigh your stuff at your place. You print up your own little postal thing on yeah. it. Yeah. And there's paper or you can just print it right on the envelope. It's really fucking easy. Even Tom Segura does it also. That We all do it. Like if you, And you listen to any podcast and they have merchandise, it's probably going through stamps.com. Yeah. There's, no, there's no way in the world you'd want to go to the post office yeah. know, that much. And if you go to um, – there's uh, a little uh, – up in the upper right-hand corner, stamps.com, you can see there's a little microphone uh, icon. If you click on that and enter in the code name JRE, you will get the uh, the offer that they're showing up there on the screen. It's uh, $55 in posted postage coupons and a free digital scale that you're not used – you're not allowed to use it to measure your weed. Okay? This is only for the postman, you fucks. Uh, go to stamps.com, enter in the code name JRE, and save yourself some money. Uh, we're also brought to you by Hover. If you uh, have ever heard us talk about Ting on this show, uh, Hover is uh, owned by the same people that own Ting, and it's a domain name company. And they have the same approach that Ting has. You know, Ting's approach is try, try not to rip people off, try to give people a, a good product at a good price, and, and keep everybody happy and make it easy. And they and they put in things like free who is domain name um, privacy, which when you register a site like uh, 
What was the one that you registered Dick last party time? DickPartyInMyMouth.com. If you go to DickPartyInMyMouth.com, unless you're Brian Redband, if you're a normal dude with like a regular job, <laughs> you're like, man, I don't want to be associated with DickPartyInMyMouth.com. I would like to register this in privacy. Well, with Hover, you can do that shit for free because uh, they're not worried about all that. They're trying to uh, give you a fair product. And if you go to Hover.com forward slash Rogan, uh, you can save 10% off domain name registrations. All right? And if you Good. do dickpartymymouth.com backslash Joe, you get an extra dick. Hey, that's not true. You <laughs> fucking made that up. Um, that's it. Uh, Wednesday night uh, at the Ice House, yes. we have uh, a big fat comedy show with uh, Brian Redband, Bert Kreischer, Tommy Segura, Tony Hinchcliffe, and me. And it's 10 p.m. and it's 15 bucks. And uh, it's like the best comics in L.A. stop by. A lot of times it's like we've done them with like eight, ten people there. Yeah. You know, the Ice House is awesome too. And we're probably going to do a podcast with Bert uh, earlier in the in the same day. Um, but that's uh, 10 p.m. And then the other shows are May 3rd and 4th at the Sacramento Punchline. Yes. It's Brian, Sam Tripoli, and Tony Hinchcliffe. And uh, then May 5th at Cobbs in San Francisco. Two Awesome clubs, too, by the way. All right, you fucks. George St. Pierre is here, the goddamn welterweight champion of the world, bitches. We're going to get down to it. Play the music, Brian. The Joe Rogan Experience. Oh, you, you cut out the Nick Diaz part. I see what you did. Very, very smart. There was a thing that Nick Diaz had a quote. He's like, you know, train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. You know, do you not hate him now? If you folks who don't just listening to this, George St. Pierre is our guest, and he's the UFC welterweight champion of the world. Just uh, recently defended his title against uh, Nick Diaz. Um, does uh, does are you cool with Nick now? It seemed uh, like you guys were complimentary after the fight. I, I, I'm cool with him. I don't know if he's cool <laughs> with me. I'm like I, I, I'm all right. I'm cool with everybody. That dude turns everything into a personal affair, right? Yes, he does. Does that ever get to you when guys shit talk you? Because you're like, if people didn't know you, all right, if the average person did not know what you do, besides the, the look, you know, that you're physically strong, they would never think that you're a fighter. You're a very friendly guy. You're very, like, easy to – I've seen you interact with a lot of different people over many years. You're very easygoing, very very nice to get along with. Yeah, I don't, don't want to be – I don't want to look like a fighter when you talk to me, let's say, on the phone. I want to look like a normal human being. Right. Of course, yeah. That, that's a little bit the impression that people have sometimes. Well, you're you're not just a nice guy. You're like you're honest about your own vulnerabilities, which I've always found fascinating. Like you talk about what what makes you scared. You talk about what you're worried about. Like you you know like even this Nick Diaz fight. You're like I am scared because I I don't want to lose to this guy. Like there's a lot of people who never admit that. And, yeah, uh, but I, it it make you I think it make you stronger to admit that you're scared because you're not scared to say that you're scared. Right. Someone who doesn't admit it because he's scared to admit that he's scared. He's scared <laughs> of himself. He's scared of what people are going to think about him. I'm not scared what people are going to think. They have to, to, to see me as I, as I am. So I'm not scared to admit that I'm scared. And it's almost like when you don't admit you're scared, it's like you're, pre you're protecting yourself from evolving. Because the only way you can ever be realistic about a situation and get better at anything in life is you've got to accurately address what's happening. True, 100%, you know. And there's some people that don't do that. And I think that cuts them off from a certain amount of progress in life. I think there's a certain there's, – there's like walls that you put up yourself because you're not willing to look at your own failures. 
A hundred percent. You're not uh, you're not uh, honest with yourself. You know? Yeah. So th- that's what it is a little bit. Yeah. So admitting you're you're afraid is like so what, bitch. Yeah, yeah I know afraid, you're afraid that's too. What, that's, you know what? As much as I'm afraid, I'm gonna make that walk the day of yeah. the, the day of the, the the day of it, and I'm gonna do it regardless. Would and you it also? It sounds more crazy. I would be more afraid of a guy that says I'm. Like who says like I'm afraid, but you know what? I'm gonna still do it, and I don't care if I'm afraid. Bring it, I'll do it. Like this is sound crazy to me more than a guy said. Oh no no no, I'm not afraid because this guy is a lie. He's afraid to say that he's afraid. He's a right. Liar. Like man, uh, you know what I mean? To me, like personally, that's what it is. Yeah, the posturing and posing, it's it's unnecessary. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you are afraid of aliens, though, right? Yeah, I'm afraid of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true you have like a a path mapped out in your house how to get out if the aliens show up? No. <laughs> no? That's the rumor, man. That's what I heard. I heard you have a plan because I know you like to use game plans. So I figured well, you had an alien. I, have, I, know, I know karate and I know jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so the alien show up, I, I put a triangle choke on him. And I also have a katana, I have also a katana, a Japanese katana. So if they come, I can slice them apart. Wow. Do you keep a sword in your house? That's yes, pretty I gangster, have. It's dude. A, it's, a, it's a collection. You know? It's for me. It's, I have two, two. You better not bring any crazy bitches home. Ah oh, man, it's uh, a sword and crazy bitches. <laughs> I have this hacksaw on the side of my bed that I always forget is there, and oh, I always like almost God. cut my finger off all the time. At the middle yeah, of you night. should put that in the garage, son. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck is wrong it's with like you? It's like this big sword <laughs> slash meat cleaver that it's just. Awesome. <laughs> so, do you really have a fear of aliens, or is this just a bullshit rumor? Because what didn't you do a countdown show and you did a whole thing talking about how you're being scared of being abducted by aliens? Yeah, I'm scared. I'm I'm scared of a lot of things, you know. <laughs> but no, that's I, a specific I get one. Too much. I'll get I'll get into it. Like, <laughs> I, I can't I can't I can't I can't talk about it right now. But yeah, you can't talk about it right now. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's one day I was gonna come out and make a big thing about it, but no. Right, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Right hold on. now. Yeah. Have you had a, a, an experience with aliens? No. 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 I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. I, I, I don't know. Like I don't know. You don't know. You might have had an experience with my, my manager going to have a heart attack right now. Listen, I see this is br- like, my brother. I would never do or, or lead you down any path that's bad for your career. Just as you no, said no. that it's good that, to be afraid, it's also good to be honest about everything, even shit that sounds crazy. No, no, no. No, no. That's the thing. I'm honest. I like, look, I'm honest. I'm afraid. But I don't have to tell everything on on the public. It's true, you don't. But but but, but you know. Did you have sex with an alien? <laughs> because you're a smart guy. Let me tell you, you're a very smart guy. You know, you know how to dig dig into people's mind. <laughs> and, and and as much as I like you, I like I hate that about you <laughs> because he put me on the spot right now. But he's a very smart guy. But no, no, I can't I can't I can't go too deep. Into Listen, this. if I was on an alien spacecraft and I had sex with an alien, like I'm assuming you did. Ah. I, I feel like I would just come out and talk about it. I don't know why you would hold that back. No, but I mean, uh, I, I never. Had Something to... happened, George. I don't know. I might, <laughs> it's either it's either I'm crazy or 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 uh, maybe it really happened. But I I hope that I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy. I, I hope think. I am. I could be crazy. You know, some people that some great mind. You know, they they've been hallucinating stuff. Some mm-hmm. people are are uh, how do you say maniaco depressive. Some people are are. Uh, OCD. Some people are this. Some people are that. And they're still great. They've been able to achieve great stuff in their life. You know. So maybe right. I'm crazy. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I, hope, I hope I'm crazy. Well, are these experiences. I can help you in one way. Are these experiences happening at night? 
I, I am not sure. I am not, I am not sure. I'm have not, any of these experiences happened while you've been in the dream state or where you just been dreaming or just asleep and you were woken up? I, I am not sure that I had exp- – I don't know. I don't remember anything. But it was, it was nighttime type things. Was it nighttime when you think you might have had something happen to you? Uh, I, I, I can't say something happened to me. I have no proof. I, I, I just don't know. What I'm going to tell you about is your brain produces a chemical while you're sleeping. But I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to be honest about it. Sometime I'm I'm looking at the clock, and it's like I wake up and I look at the clock right after, and it's like the clock advanced like a four hour or two hours. There's a time zone that I don't remember what happened. It's called falling asleep. I hope so. <laughs> what do you think? You think you're getting snatched up and no. taken away for a couple hours? No, I think I'm, maybe I fall asleep. That's why I hope. That's why I hope. Um, or I can drive. I can drive my car. I can drive my car. And, and it already happened. I drove, I drove my car. While you were sleeping? No, no, no. I drove my car in a normal day, like going somewhere. Then I look, and it's two hours past. I'm like, two hours have just passed like this. Like maybe maybe I I didn't see maybe I didn't I didn't I I didn't I, maybe I watched the time the wrong time like I watched my clock and I made a mistake myself right most likely right yes of course most I hope likely. I hope so well I that's so. very minor stuff that's very minor stuff yeah um but that could be you t- being tired because you push yourself and a lot uh, yeah. of stress it's exactly you know? that's it's exactly what I hope so yeah. it's exactly what I hope so. But you don't have any memories of great dudes no. putting fingers up your butt. No, I don't. None of that. I've had a Joe where you're driving down the street, like on the highway, and you're just like kind of dazed out. And you're like, "Wait, how long I've been? I've I've been dazed out for like a, like 20 minutes. What have I been doing for 20 minutes?" You could totally you go on autopilot, yeah. yeah. And then like you just realize like almost all of a sudden you're home. Yeah. But um, the the thing about being exhausted and sleep, uh, you know, and having these experiences at night. There's a a chemical your brain makes that's uh, one of the most powerful psychedelic drugs known to man. So one of the things they're trying to connect, it's called DMT. One of the things they're trying to connect is um, people having near-death experiences and people that have had UFO, alien abduction type experiences and this chemical. And that they can introduce this chemical into the human body and these people have very similar experiences to what they had when they had a UFO encounter or when they had you know, a, a white light near-death experience encounter. And it's most likely there's this chemical that's doing this. So when people are having these experiences, they're very realistic and they do believe they're being taken aboard by you know, a, a UFO somewhere. They might not be wrong. But this is not a UFO encounter. This UFO is just... It's unidentified flying object. Right. Object. This the encounter you talk about that if they've been taking a, a board, this is this is different. It's like a, it could be a third type encounter. There's yes. many ways, but this is different. Yeah, but I the like you talk about me. I don't have any. I don't have any memory of such thing. But the thing I, I don't like. I have like you say. Sometimes I fall. I fall asleep. Then I wake up. Is the the time pass? And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> it's like I. But I, that's just because you're tired, man. That's yeah. not aliens. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's, but are you worried? You like, man, maybe it's aliens. Is that of, what no, you no, do? No, it's because I am. I feel like I didn't fall. I, I didn't fall asleep, and I'm not tired. I'm wide awake, awake. Hmm. But I fall asleep like this, and it's kind of. I mean, it's kind of weird. Are these on hard sparring days? No. No? Just a normal day? Like it could happen every day. Wow. You should get a GoPro, like a camera, and just record <laughs> yourself all the time. Yeah, and put then a when you ever on. think that happens, watch it. 
I mean, those uh, things record for like eight hours at a time, some of them. Yeah. How long has this been going on? Since I'm a kid. Wow. Wow. Wouldn't it be crazy if uh, the, the aliens, like, manufactured you to be a, a <laughs> mixed martial arts fighter? They're well, like, let's see if we could just turn this I'm sure into I would, a bad I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than, than, than this. Much know? better than this? You're the fucking champion. Yeah, what are you yeah talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> superman, you know? Well, they just don't want to get ridiculous with it. You know, it has to be realistic. It would be, to yeah, that would be obvious. Like you can't turn a guy into a goddamn superhero. Uh, you know? Maybe they manufacture Anderson Silva, John Jones. Maybe they did. Uh, maybe Rosaldo. Maybe someone needs to talk to them about their sleep patterns. Maybe they're falling asleep behind the wheel too and being sucked aboard a spaceship for repairs. Maybe, maybe they they don't want to talk about. It. Maybe they don't say, it, but maybe they are. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't, I'm just pretending. I think it's funny though that that's maybe one subject that you uh, you you have a, you had a really hard time talking about that. I do because it's because it sounds uh, crazy. Yes, and and I, and I will talk about it one day. I'm gonna talk about my fear, my all that stuff. And uh, but no, now I, I don't get deep into this. Yeah, maybe they just. But I promise one day I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk about stuff. But it, it's not what you promise think. one day. Yeah, I promise one day. What's that? What is? There is no tomorrow. Didn't you see Rocky three? When Apollo Creed says that to Rocky Balboa, it's true. It's true. Like you no said, maybe, maybe I'll die one day. Maybe I'll yeah. die tomorrow. I hope Atash would not. And uh, people, like, oh, and I'm like, oh. Wait, should, how did you say I... that? Was that French? Atash would not. Is that what you like, said? I touched the the wood. Oh. Like you say, oh, touch you, you, wood don't, not. you don't want it happen. You know. <laughs> Yeah, man, just let it go. Just whatever information you got, spill it. No, but I don't know. I'm doing my I'm doing my own research. I'm researching on myself. Yeah. Like you say, that's the thing that you just told me. It's very interesting. The chemical that body DMT. produce. Yeah. That's per, that's per, that I'm happy that I meet you today and you tell that about me because it make me make me happy now. Yeah, it'll make you think. Like I think a lot of people think they're going crazy, and yeah. it's not. It's just your brain makes psychedelic drugs. It's it, true. Your brain produces it and parts of your liver and your lungs. They don't know why this stuff is in the body, but it's it's a super potent psychedelic. Your yeah, brain but... makes it, and it happens when you're sleeping. So if like the speculation is that it happens during REM sleep, I don't think they have the most accurate me- way of measuring it, but they know it's in the body, and they believe it's the the theory is that it comes out during periods of heavy stress, or when your body thinks it's going to die, or in REM sleep. And that those are the times that you have higher levels of this stuff in your you know neurochemical soup. Hmm. That's interesting. I it's crazy. I, why I would your brain? Why would your brain produce an incredibly potent psychedelic drug? So a lot of people that are having these nighttime experiences it could be just varying levels of uh, this chemical that's uh, going around in your brain. But that doesn't mean that these experiences aren't real. We don't know what the fuck sleeping is anyway. I mean, what is sleeping? You shut your eyes. You shut off. You don't exist in this plane. And your consciousness goes somewhere else. Like, literally, you have no memory of a a giant chunk of your day. And we have no problem with it. And yet, we don't connect it to any other realm or the, the idea of there being other dimensions. You go into another dimension when you go to sleep. Okay? You do. You just shut off. You stop. And for all intents and purposes you are in another dimension and if while you're in that other dimension your brain is being pumped with this psychedelic chemical that when you take it when you're sober makes you have these incredible experiences it only seems to it just seems like a normal thing to look into like people would should be looking into that like what what is what is happening when you're sleeping you're sleep you go away and everybody's just so used to it they're like no big deal we just go away just go away for eight hours a day you know everybody's scared to die and no one's scared to fall asleep. 
you're just you're shutting off, man. You know so, you're going to be back, so you're not worried. But you're shutting off. Whatever that is, you know, is just accepted. If sleeping didn't exist, it would be the craziest fucking thing. If all of a sudden you told people that they had to shut off for eight hours a night and just completely <laughs> not be aware, they'd be like, what are you talking about? I got to shut off? They'd be like, yeah, you're going to shut off for eight hours a night and you're not going to know what's happening. People can touch your balls while you're sleeping. You'll have no way of stopping them. There's a lot of things that can happen. That, that, that truth is, like you said, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what the fuck that is. I, I, could, I could, like, you know, like you say, it's not that I'm afraid to be crazy. It's just I, I can say whatever the hell I want. And we don't know. Maybe, you know what I mean? We don't yeah. know. We don't know the truth. We have no idea. Yeah, somebody might be stealing time from you. They might be stealing I, time. They're like, this motherfucker's got too I, much I, time. I, I, the, the truth is, I feel like I had experience, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it is. So for me to say it's alien or say it's uh, the drug chemical you talk about, I right. don't know. I can't, I can't tell you right now. I don't know what it is. But I did. I felt like it could have been an experience or not. Maybe I felt maybe I'm crazy and it's the normal thing that everybody goes like. Maybe I... I but right now, I uh, like I don't know. It's too. I'm, I'm making my own research to to find out about that. How are you researching? Well, I I research a lot of stuff, uh, documentaries and things, and uh, go on the internet. Now it's another thing that you just said to me. I'm going to research that. Maybe I research on the wrong. Maybe I research yeah. things that people have have tried because that lap, lapse of time that you don't remember. They've been some people been hypnotized and they had a bad. Uh, Bad, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, adventure, and I don't want to be enough Well, that's very controversial. You know, the what's happening during hypnosis, hypnotic regression, it's very controversial because there's a lot of people that believe that you can introduce fake memories into a person while they're unconscious, and then you could, you know, you, you, you could steer the events in one way or another and introduce false memories. It's mm. not, it's not very, it's not very reliable, I don't think. So that's one of the big things about these people that have these crazy stories from hypnotic regression. Like, what the fuck is really going on? You know, you don't yeah. know. A lot of times people that are in therapy in the first place are a little wound of course, up. Of course. Of so course. it's that. Those are the type of people that you're, you're dealing with. You're hypnotizing them. And then you're finding out about these nutty experiences with aliens. Who knows what the fuck you're really but getting. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's like so- Socrates used to say, you take a fish in the water, Okay. And the fish is living in, 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 in his environment. Let's say a fisherman, he grabs a fish in the water. He pulls it off the water, look at him, look at, make the fish look around, and drop the fish back in the water. The fish after is going to go back to his friend, and he's going to tell the other fish, man, I built put out of the water, and, and, and it was the, people were breathing air. It was another environment. I saw a human being, pull, pull, you know, like a man grabbing me. I saw trees. I saw a bird in the sky. I saw a, like, a, like a sun. I'm like, I see a, a different thing in different universe. And then he put me back. The other fish will think he's completely insane, you know. And it's normal. <laughs> so maybe in a way we're all like fish. And and maybe there is something like you you said like when you sleep another universe or another well or something and we don't know and we're right next to it but we don't know and if uh, that's why I'm doing research I want to see you know I want to grow as a human being find what was the truth even though I probably will never find out the truth uh, but I want to get closer closer and find my own research see what what's happening you know and, and we're all in the same uh, pattern you know you know what I think the problem with find people wanting to find the truth. Is there is no truth. There are truths. 
I uh, think there is no one truth. And everyone is like, someday I hope yeah. to find the truth. Like, what are you talking about? It's not one thing. There's truths. There's a lot of information. There's yeah. a lot of stuff. And to call it the truth, like to figure out the whole big thing, that's almost impossible for our brains to, to grasp. Like an ant doesn't know what a, a cell phone tower is. It's, it's almost impossible for our brains to grasp the enormity of, mm. you know, going from protons and cells and uh, an animal and a planet and a galaxy and a universe and multiple universes. And it's not – it's too much. Yeah. There's, there's no way you're going to be able to take all the things that are going in all over the world and understand it all and understand the pieces that it falls into. It's not possible. So this whole thing where I was like, I'm going to, you know, hopefully I'll find the truth. You will find truths. It's you true. will never find the truth because you're a, a, a monkey. Yeah, well, we're not. We're probably not. We're not smart enough. We're no. not. The, yeah, I understand what you say. We're we are we're being birthed into a, a whole new universe of information that's never existed for any previous human beings, and we're not designed for it. We're not designed to process this. We're designed to figure out where the deer are going. We're designed to figure out who do you want to fuck. We're designed to think this guy, he's probably going to take over my village, this cunt. And that's how we're designed. And then within the last 10,000 years, that has become, you know, watching like space documentaries and getting on the internet. And it's too much. There's yeah. no, there's no way. There's no way you know exactly what's going on all over the world. You, you'll go crazy. Yeah, you don't it, have the time. It will take a lot of time, and, and still, we'll, yeah, to acclimate. Yeah. Under, I, I agree 100 percent with that. Have you heard of like a lot of these guys? Like Dan Hardy did this, going to uh, Peru, and they take these ayahuasca ceremonies. Did you hear about that? No. You didn't hear about that. Um, Dan Hardy did it. Again, wait to get him on the podcast and talk to him about it. But he said it changed his whole life. And it's the same thing. It's DMT. It's these Amazon Indians. They they make it in a, a, a brew, and the active ingredient is in this brew is DMT. And they have these ceremonies, and they all uh, get together and uh, they'll play music. And this guy like blows tobacco smoke in your face, and you drink this stuff. And an hour and twenty minutes later, they enter into the spirit world, have life changing visions, the wildest physical manifestations of your imagination you could ever possibly think of and dream of you can't even think about it you can't you, you can't even put it into words and it's legal in peru you know it's legal in parts of south america so people are going down there these americans are going down there on a regular basis and having these shamanic rituals life-changing rituals hmm. and it's all based on the same thing that comes out of your brain when you're dreaming yeah, yeah. pretty nutty yeah it could, it could make you realize things like you say learn about yourself you know do you meditate Mm, I would not say meditate. I would say visualizing. Yes, visualizing. Yeah. So with specific tasks in mind, like like visualizing fight strategies and uh, fights, visualizing what I want in my life, uh, what you know, where I wanted to be in twenty years. I try to visualize where I could be and what I want. You know, could be about fight. Could be about uh, uh, anything. Could be about uh, my training and one hour where I, what I'm gonna do and you know about everything be in business you know could be when i'm gonna meet uh, someone when i'm gonna say or you know could be about everything do you have very specific like goals like for your life do you have like yes. things written down yes i do do you write them down yeah i have goals yeah some some i wrote it down some i don't but yeah i do i do have a specific goal i have goals for my career but i have bigger goal than this much bigger M much bigger goal than your yeah, career like for, like for example are yeah. you gonna be president of the world no no but i want to be for for example one of my goals like 
like is to have a, to be married, have a wife with uh, at least five kids, four or five kids minimum. Wow. Want to have a lot of kids. That's one of my goals, you know. That's my goal. And and that's – I'm not there yet, but it's one of my goals, you know. I don't think you're going to have a problem finding a nice lady. <laughs> Find a nice <laughs> lady that I can get along with. That's, uh, uh, well, I think you're better I off have, in Canada. I uh, have a lot of kids. <laughs> Look up in Canada. Japan. That's where you need Japan. to stay. <laughs> don't be trying to get these American chicks. They'll get mouthy. Especially after you retire. Uh, oh, look at you all retired and shit, getting fat. Uh, that's so funny. Do you um do you have like a clear timeline as to when you're you're gonna discontinue your fighting career? No, I don't. I don't. I just uh, I didn't I didn't plan this. Now I'm focusing on my career right now and, and uh, wanted to to be the best at what I do and I want to uh, make the be the guy that made the difference in the sport. You know, bring help the sport, the UFC grow and be more mainstream everywhere well you've already done that just by being who you are you know by your your personality you know your your ability to just be a normal guy who mm-hmm. just how happens to be one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet <laughs> yeah but uh, you know I, st- I still is a lot of a lot of thing to do you know mm-hmm. uh, in some country that it's illegal you know and Right. Sure. There's still a lot of work to do as far as the spread of MMA. Not just some countries, uh, some states. It's still illegal in New York State. When I I first started, yeah, and and where I'm from, my country, it it was illegal in Canada, you know. They did. It was not sanctioned and everything. So this, I'm happy at least where I live now. It's it's good and it's very popular. Yeah. I I watched your first fights, man. I watched you in the TKO organization. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I watched all those, you know. It's – I've always – been a big big fan of uh, MMA and I think that it's it's so important that there's all these other organizations going on like you know like that that MFC up in Canada and it used to be Strike Force and you know now there's Bellator is doing really well it's like so important to have a, a bunch of different outlets for guys to pursue their careers but up in Canada it was just like that TKO organization right and yeah, a couple it was, more yeah it was pretty much only t- the TKO and- you guys fought in a ring yeah, it was in the ring back then, yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Some guys prefer the ring. What do you prefer? No, the cage. The cage? Yeah, the ring is it's not the environment. Uh, the cage is better. Or I would rather do like, uh, yeah, the, the cage is perfect. A circular, like octagon or a circular cage. Or even better than a ring that would be like a, a platform where where there is no walls. There is a like a like, like a, a, a line a line no no you don't fall but there is a line and if you step across a line they put you they put you back but there is a, a line and then there is a a bigger so you don't fall but it's a right. platform and you know. I see what you're saying and they, they have that push in the, you back the, in. the super league yeah a little bit but like wrestling like sumo. Yeah. yeah, kind of sumo. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that would when, be good too. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. It's just a space consideration, probably. Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. Exactly. And they don't want some Brock Lesnar dude just steamrolling someone right <laughs> into the crowd. It's true. You no, know? no, that would be that would be hardcore. But but something uh, I think like that, or you know, I I think they got you know the the cage is pretty good. You know, it's a good uh, surface. Yeah, the only um, objection that people have as fans is sometimes it makes the action a little harder to see. True. If you're there, you know, watching it at home, it's perfect. I'm sure they could make a, a material, which is like a, a window that you could see through it, like a plastic window, which Isn't is Isn't it soft. all greasy and shit? Every time dudes would be like, like, uh, what if that Daniel Cormier, Frank Mir fight happened? True. The whole thing would be just grease. 
you wouldn't be able to see shit yeah, because they those guys pressed up against every spot on that cage. But True. but it's also girl MMA now, and it could be like oh, a car wash. Shit. Like a girl MMA car no, wash. It's true, but it, 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 I'm sure there is. A, <laughs> there's a lot of things I would have changed in the sport. First of all, the time is no time, no round. Right. I think it's. I think seriously. I, th- I believe it's stupid the, the round. Want to see who's the best man? Let them fight. You know. Yeah. No, so no, fifteen minutes or maybe twenty-five minutes for the championship. No round. Why the yeah. round? Why we try to be like boxing? You know. Yeah. We're not boxers. They did. They did round to be like boxing to be accepted as a. A sport. Yeah, there would probably be a lot more finishes if yeah, there was no no I, time limit. Yeah, of course, a hundred percent. No round, you know, like uh, this is ridiculous. I mean, I like I, it. I, I, me, 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 seriously. I, I Do you think it's possible that the UFC would you would you fight someone like that? Like, 100%, would you, uh, would I would. you arrange that? Like, as a particular rule, like maybe the UFC could do it in Russia or somewhere where they, they're gangster about it. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would rather like I, I would rather fight in a rule like this. I think it would be more honest. Like, who's the better man? Let them fight. You know? See, that could have happened in Pride. They did that in Pride, right? With Doesn't Hoist Gracie have a 90-minute match with Sakuraba? But I think that was like even then it was like – That's that's when they used to be the real thing, you know, yeah. back in the day. That's why I have so much respect for these guys. Hoist, uh, Coleman, Dan Severn. Oh, yeah. This guy the pioneer, you know. Oh, yeah. The no no time limit pioneer. Arrow, Howard. Yeah. With his Harold tank Howard. top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With those crazy glasses. <laughs> Joe Sondo. <laughs> yeah. Who, who else did that? You know, Joe Sondo became like a... a Fred Dish. He <laughs> he's in jail for gang rape. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Joe Sondo was a part of a gang rape. Are you serious? Yeah, apparently. They, they arrested him for something else and got his DNA and connected it to a, a gang rape from oh years God. by. Yeah. I'm wondering what happened to like some of the other guy, like uh, Harold Howard. You know? I think he got arrested. He's a Canadian. For drugs. When I was watching, I was happy. You know, he's a Canadian yeah. guy. I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's kick ass. You know. Remember when he threw that crazy cartwheel kick? Yeah. On Steve Jenham. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was a good fight, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. He was How about really the boxer Emerson with one gloves? You yeah, know? yeah. What was Jimerson? Art Jimerson? Yes, yes. Yeah. What was that about? Maybe probably maybe he had a hurt hand or something. No, I think he was thinking more like he's gonna grab with one hand and swing with the other <laughs> one. I don't know. Like I, who knows? Go through their mind. But it was awesome back in the day. It was a real thing. It was it was the time where I literally. Watched the fight back in the day and thought someone could die. You, you you needed to have so much courage back in the day to step into the uh, the act. Much more than nowadays. Nowadays, you know, okay, before it's no weight class, nothing. And it no, was like unknown. It was unknown. I remember a fight like uh, Norris uh, against uh, Pat Smith. Man, the guy had the, the uh, uh, you know, like like a blood everywhere before they stop the fight. Then you see a, a towel flying, and the, he still yeah. didn't stop the fight. I'm like, this is when time you. This is the the guy is the pioneer. You know, these guys yeah. they were the real tough guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was no referee stopping. Yeah, the fight. no referee, no round, no athletic commission, no weight class, no this, no that, no way. You know, Do you see real- fights where fights get stopped quickly? Does that piss you off? Well, you know, it's to protect the, uh, you know, the referee can make a mistake sometime. And it pisses yeah. me off. Yeah, it's sad to see it when it's a mistake done. Uh, I think they, they try to, to be the best they could be. But, like, the, I can't believe the, the round. I don't I don't think round is a good idea. That's my opinion. Personally. Just just rounds in Round is a bad general. idea, yeah. What about gloves? Some people think there should be no gloves. Some people think well, if you can sh- knee a guy and elbow a guy and kick a guy, like why do you have covers on your knuckles? 
That's true. Could be an option. No glove, but they would be a lot of broken hand. But the problem is yeah. they would fight differently. Like yes. back in the impact creation, I, I wrote stuff that they used to hit a lot with the the the, the, the smash the, the end. You know. Yeah. Well, if you you know if you watch the old Boss Rutten days in in Pancrase, he uh, figured out that he could throw punches. With, he pulls his hand way back, so instead of like slapping and like karate chop style, he was throwing punches, but yeah. he was doing it with his palm. Yeah, but the thing is, we wouldn't fight the same way we would fight now to yeah. preserve our body, like 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 when I fought Nick Diaz, I was in the, he was in third position, I was punching. Like if I would be bare hand, I would hit with my palm you know what right. i mean i wouldn't hit like the same way i would have probably broke my hand or you know yeah i never had my hand broken you know i'm i'm lucky you know but uh you know i would fight different 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 way it would make it better also for the all the grappling aspect yeah I'm a big fan of brazilian jiu-jitsu and and wrestling is i would be better it would be more realistic i mean i don't really yeah. understand why they have a pad on the gloves i mean i think it's uh a hundred percent if you don't have pads on your shins and you're kicking people in the face, like, come on, that's crazy. Like, you're going to pad little knuckles? And, yeah, you can cut people more, but it also breaks your hand more. It's just – it's if you want to – if the sport – if you're trying to have it be realistic, it's almost, like, bad to allow people to wear gloves because it allows them to tee off and punch as hard as they can without worrying about breaking your hands. 100 percent. 100 percent. It's true. It's true. And, I, you know – I. You know, you you could break your hand, but you know, you hit a guy with a good punch on and the jaw, you know, a bare knuckle. I don't think you will break your hand. You know, just doing karate. You know, cushion They they you know. Well, people are also, um, you know, in, you would with punch boxing. much harder, of course, because the tape. It's not. I don't think it's the the glove. I think it's the tape that holds the yes. wrist. Yeah. So there is no movement in the wrist, and everything. All the impact makes it harder. It's yes, more, definitely. That's why I believe. You know. Yeah, I think the hand wrap definitely aids the person who's punching. Yes. Um, but you also would be really cognizant of only punching with the first two knuckles, you know, because in boxing, you know, you're, to- you're taught to punch and concentrate on those knuckles. But in real- reality, a lot of times when you're throwing combinations, you're hitting them with all parts of your hand, whereas you're taught in karate the idea of uh, punching, you know, like a makiwara over and over and over again. It's to toughen these two knuckles. The- Jack Dempsey says is the third knuckle. The third knuckle? Yes, he used to punch with the third knuckle. And he was known for punching power. Yeah, he could punch very hard, Jack yes. Dempsey. So he says it's the third knuckle because he said the alignment of the body is better with the third knuckle. Hmm, that's interesting. So maybe. Well, I would never argue with Jack Dempsey, but <laughs> most people believe that it's the first two. No, knuckles. no, I know. Again, karate, same thing. Yeah. They teach, but Jack Dempsey strangely says the third knuckle in the book. He says that that guy was a fucking savage, huh? Yeah, he was like. The, the Watch boy. those old old school fights, and he was fighting dudes much bigger than him. He was only about a buck ninety. I think he was like one ninety six or something like that when he was the mm-hmm. the heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. He was just fucking up those. You know what? I might be wrong. I think actually Jack Dempsey was even lighter than that. I think Jack Dempsey. Hold on a second. Let me pull it up. I don't even think he was 196. Rocky Marciano, which is really Marciano was 175. Yeah. What the fuck, man? (laughs) There's certain dudes like that that just just can hit so fucking hard. Yeah, Yeah, but their opponent, their their opponent was not as big as well. You know. That's true. now, now, Now we're like monster. Like look at Klitschko. You know, it's crazy. You know. Yeah, it doesn't say his weight on his Wikipedia. Says is uh, he was six foot one. Mar- Marciano or Dempsey? Marciano was like one seven one one seventy five one and one eighty. Marciano was yeah yeah. One, I, th- I thought he was one eighty five. Marciano, I remember yeah. I read it was a one eighty. Not, not, I don't think he was. 
Dempsey was 192. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like my size. It's my size yeah. fighting a heavyweight guy like Brock Lesnar. Holy <laughs> shoot. But they, they they had those little tiny ass gloves back then. True. They had just a little, a little cover over the knuckles. Very little padding at all. And it was probably just like a little horse hair in there as well. <laughs> Wild. Wild. Do you pay attention to like uh, old videos of like uh, old fights? Do you ever watch like uh, old boxing matches and, and, and see like – like what guys like Dempsey had to go through? What guys like Jack Johnson had to go I, through? I watch a lot of stuff, you know. Like uh, what I've been watching uh, on the internet recent recently is a lot of uh, a lot of karate karate stuff. I'm really uh, I'm really intrigued into really that. yeah. Like the the, the point karate guys, uh -huh. I think it's very underrated. Oh yeah, like, like uh, a lot of good, very good fighters. They, they they come from that, and they, they, I think it, it translates to MMA very very well. Absolutely, and Marciano was 188 apparently. Um, the, the, the ability to move in and out like really quickly, That's if you've ever fought, a, if you've fought in point tournaments before, I did. Yeah. It's very frustrating. I, I'm from Kyokushin Karate. It's not the same system, but I did point karate before. Yeah. I fought only a few point karate tournaments, but uh, I found, um, um, I fought some, uh, I fought one really high level guy and, uh, who's like, he wins a lot of those point tournaments. It was so different from Taekwondo being like continuous fighting to this being like, stop, you know, it's yeah. like, and it was really hard to fight that way if you're not used to it. And I would just imagine that a guy who's really good at lunging in and out like that, yeah. if you could teach him all the other aspects of MMA, that would be a big advantage. That's what I use for my takedown, the shoot that people saw is your wrestling. It has nothing to do with my wrestling. My wrestling is once I get the leg, I finish the takedown. But how, do I, how I get in and out is because of karate. People yeah. are like, no way, karate, no. And I, yes, karate that allowed me to cut the distance and take, take the people down. Yeah. I have a very good single to the ball or very good double and very good penetration. It's because of my leg, the way I do, and this timing, I get it from the karate. Wow. Yeah, that's I wrestling in. too, but karate primary. Because before I, I started wrestling, I was karate guy, pure. And I, I just acclimate myself very well to wrestling and to wrestling for, especially for the mixed martial art. Wow, that's that. really interesting. Because I've always said that one of your, the best things about you is the, your ability to close the distance. Yeah, it's karate. This yeah, that is makes karate. sense. Yeah. yeah. It totally makes sense. Yeah, All my footwork pattern and everything is from karate. This is this what I get it from. Springing in like that, you know, the ability to cover that distance, that's a huge advantage. Cover the distance and to not get hit. Mm -hmm. This is very important. Right. Yeah, and that is one of the cornerstones of those tournaments and, and, and that style. Did you um, have a hard time when you made the transition to Muay Thai and MMA style? Yeah, today, today even my kicks are like, more like karate guy, you know. I don't – I do Muay Thai, but I – my kick, you know, it's like printed inside mm -hmm. of my body. Right. It's hard to say. Like you're a Taekwondo guy. You you can kick, but you will stay Taekwondo. Like, and you know, it's fine too, you know. It's the, the, the best, like I believe Taekwondo is the best spinning back kick. You you have the best spinning back kick I ever seen in my entire <laughs> life, you know. You're from Taekwondo, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it is your background. And, and you try to change your technique of your spinning back kick, it will be the worst thing you could do. You know what I mean? So I, I try to learn to add stuff to my arsenal, but I don't try to change my, my thing. You know what right, I mean? right. Yeah, I, um, I still incorporate a lot of those techniques, but I do more just regular Muay Thai now than mm -hmm. anything else. Because I think all those techniques, like the spinning back kick and wheel kick, for a guy like you that has like a strong karate background or a guy who picks things up, 
really quickly. That's you know th- those are good t- techniques to learn. But like for everyday use, it's hard to pull those things off unless you're doing it on a regular basis. Like they become normal when you're fighting in Taekwondo tournaments and everybody's doing it. You're doing it every day. But in MMA, there's so many other fucking things. Like to to have the the type of leg dexterity that you see like the top level Taekwondo guys have, it's so hard to have that along with wrestling, along with boxing, along with jujitsu. Like, how do you manage like all your different skill sets? Do you, do you have like a like a twenty percent of your time goes to this, thirty percent goes to that? Like, no, 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 it depends. Uh, like. For example, like I give you an example right now. Um, last week I was doing for the, the 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 movie Captain America, the filming. Then now I'm doing the interview. But every day I find time. I go to Freddie Roach, work on my boxing, and this part of my like this time I'm on my boxing pretty much. And when I'm gonna go to New York, for example, because I have to go to New York for uh, the bro- the book promo and stuff, I'm gonna do my jiu-jitsu with John Danner. I'm gonna be doing jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu. When I go back in Montreal, I mixed up everything, you know. But when I go to different places, I go, uh, you know, I do my, my, like, uh, specific things. And this is in between fights, so you don't have yes. a fight scheduled. So now you're just in the skill development phase, yes. is that what it is? Yeah, and that's when my training is fun because I, I, I train for myself to get better and I try stuff. Mm-hmm. Like now, you see me, if I go roll uh, with my friend, like at this academy, I roll, I try stuff that I would maybe not have the... The guts to try a normal time because it's risky. Right. So, so I try it. Oh, I get tap, and you know I tap, and I laugh. Who cares? I tap. I don't. I don't care. Sometimes I tap him. Sometimes I get tap. Right. But but when I train for a training camp, now I train for performance. So I have to perform. I cannot be beaten in, in, in training. It's always my confidence will be affected. So I try to perform. So that's when my training is not as fun as it is now. Right. Yeah, the ability to l- loosen up in training is is very important when you're in the learning phase, right? Yes, yes. That's how you develop new techniques, and there's that is a ego issue too. Like with guys who uh, are not that good at jujitsu, like you see it a lot. Like maybe the, like strikers, yes. they don't want to roll because they don't like getting tapped. Nah, that's stupid. That it doesn't mean anything. You tap it doesn't mean you're not as good as the other guy. It doesn't mean you play that game and you just get cut and, and so what? You know, so what? I got tapped all the time. I don't give a damn. You know, it's a fascinating aspect of jujitsu though that doesn't exist in other martial arts. You know, like if you kickbox and spar a guy, it's not as you know. Yeah, so it's, a, it's like. Okay, you don't want to be knocked out, but I mean, it's, yeah. it would be the same thing in a way. Let's say you you're a jiu-jitsu guy and you do kickboxing with a guy, but a guy will not knock you out. He will, he will let's say, he will do a combo that he will be like, you would know, like, oh, that right hand would have knocked me out. Right. If you know, it's same thing in jiu-jitsu. Oh, I would tap, otherwise he would have break my arm. You know, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. A little bit same thing. We, we don't hurt each other in right. jiu-jitsu. You can allow to go further without hurting each other than in kickboxing, for example, where it's striking. It can be brain damage. Or yeah, something. that's the hardest. Is it, or I should ask you, is that the hardest place to find guys that you're comfortable training with is in striking? So you know that they're not trying to knock you out. You know, you like every day in the gym isn't a war. It's different. I gotta tell you, is I have many times people try to hurt me and I try to hurt them, you know, like I have no choice, you know. I've been, you know, when I first, you know, now it's different because of the notoriety I have. I can find place how I can go and. I mean, training, it's training, you know, we still go hard. There is a, a, a smart way to train, of course. I don't try to hurt myself when I train and try to hurt uh, people, you know. But, of course, let's say I'm, I'm training for a fight, before a fight, and we spar hard. If the guy, you see you hurt the guy, you let him breathe. You, know, you don't go for the finish. 
But the thing is, for example, kick to the head, we control the kick to the head, uh, things like that. You know, we don't do knees on to the head, the elbows, stuff like that. We don't do that. That, and, and, and this is important to have a good training partner like that, you know. Because sometimes you train with someone who's crazy, he's gonna, you're, you're getting ready for a fight. It's a lot of money on the table. He's going to cut throw, throw, yeah, cut you or so, like, things like that you don't need, you know, mm-hmm. to make a name for himself. So now when I'm – people ask me, hey, why are you going to go train in my gym? And so, it's because sometimes I, because I go train in the gym, they know who I am. I'm, I'm George St. Pierre, and they go, oh, I'm going to try to hurt him to make a name for myself. And that sucks, you know. That's, yeah. I don't like it. So they're very careful with who I train now. It's, that's a bad side of it because they, they, a lot of people try to take advantage and make their name, you know. Right. And I, and I don't like it, you know. I, I'm, I like to train with different trade partners, new guys, but now I have to be careful to do it. I cannot do it, you know. I have to, you know, I have to know where I'm going. With tell The guy tell me, oh, this guy, you can go with him. He's, he's good, you know. And I don't care that get tapped out or be dominated. That's not what I care. It's care of being hurt, you know, right. or injured, not be able to, to work. You know, yeah. it's a lot of money. When I have a fight, I have to cancel. It sucks. You know? Yeah, there's always accidental injuries, but there's the injuries where you know a guy's trying to hurt you because True. he's trying to. That's got to be really annoying. Yeah. There is guys that, how do you say, they they always hurt people. And right. say, oh, no, I didn't yes. mean it. But like, why it always yep. happened to you, mm-hmm. man? Why it always happened to you? I've got in the gym in Montreal. It's like when I bring my training partner here for, for let's say I bring uh, guys to train uh, – from like my last training camp, bring guys to train uh, for my training camp to mimic Nick Diaz. I tell these guys, I listen. There is this guy, this guy. You're not gonna train with him <laughs> because he's, he's like, and and they're all like, oh, why, why, why? It's like because when every time someone train with you, it happen an injury. It's like, yeah, but I don't mean it. I like, you don't mean it, but it's still happening, man. It's like yeah. it's, it's it's that's how you are, man. I've seen guys kicked out of gyms for that. Of course, of yeah. course. But some guy, it's intentional. So guy, it's not intentional. Yeah. But even if it's not intentional, you don't want to take the chance to yeah. do it. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. I don't hurt people when, when me when I train. Find me a guy that I hurt in training. It could yeah. have happened accidentally once in a while. Very rare. It's very rare I hurt people. You know, very very rare. I could if I wanted to. I could, but I don't hear. I don't hurt. I don't hurt hurt the people. You know. Yeah, you're there to train. You're there yes, to get better. Yes, of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple guys that I know that it's just people who just won't train with. They say, oh, he just they just walk away yeah, from them. They'll say no, hurt. no thanks. Get... Yeah, but because you know what, the minute you're gonna train with them, it's gonna be a fight. You know, it's gonna be like a real fight. And I, and I'm and you know I don't want I fight yeah. and I'm paid to fight and and I don't want to hurt myself in real life. You know, and I don't want to have to hurt some. I don't want to put myself in this situation. You put together a great camp now, though, man. You got you going to so many different great guys. John Donaher, who's uh, one of the most uh, under rated or underappreciated jiu-jitsu coaches in MMA in the world really you know with you if you look at uh, all the different guys that get famous for coaching jiu-jitsu talk to a lot of people about John Donner and they all say the same thing like that guy's a bad motherfucker yeah, super amazing. smart brilliant in the corner like I, I love the advice he gives he's always like on point direct accurate I right, probably the most how do I say like brilliant, educated man I ever met in my in my life. You yeah, know? he is brilliant. Like yes. a lot of people don't know, you know. I, I believe he's a philosophy major. Yeah, he's a, a bouncer. He's a he's a, a P, PhD in a philosophy. He used to teach philosophy in Columbia <laughs> University. And he was before a bouncer. He dropped, before he dropped everything and and to be a and, and, and dedicate his life to jiu-jitsu. And he was bouncing at night in, in a hip-hop club. At, oh my god! In a hip-hop club, can you believe it? And apparently, he was like big on like weightlifting back then. Yeah, he, he was, was a bodybuilder. Yeah. Body 
And then he starts doing jujitsu and fell in love with it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So you go to him for your jujitsu and Henzo as well, right? You go to Henzo's? Do you yes, know? I go to Henzo. That's you travel teach. to a lot of gyms. Yeah, but I travel. It's a good thing because I have places that no matter – like I come to LA often for business stuff. But when I come to LA, I have the place where I can train in LA. You know, I'm very right. happy. I have place where I can train in New York. I go to New York a lot. And and uh, Montreal, of course, uh, France, uh, Paris, France, you know, and, and it's it's important, you know. So I have to, everywhere I go, I have like a second home where I'm, I can go train there and get better. That was hilarious when you brought that uh, French dude with you on the <laughs> Ultimate Fighter and he showed up hammered. What is his name again? Jean-Charles Jean, Jean Karboski. Yeah, he's a very, very good Muay Thai guy. Very famous Muay Thai uh, kickboxer. And he would be partying all night uh, and show up to the gym with one of them club cups, a plastic cup, <laughs> and there was fucking alcohol in it. Like the He's out of his mind. <laughs> he shows up. He was drunk and high from the party. Like he hasn't <laughs> slept for more than like 36 hours, you know, for that flight to Paris. <laughs> then I thought I made the training when he arrived. I, I made on purpose. I, I made, I organized the training for him to come teach the afternoon class, the late afternoon, not the morning class because I said, I was thinking, oh, he's going to sleep. No, he arrived from Paris the night before, went out all night, went in an after party, went in an after, after party and arrived straight to training. Didn't even go to his hotel room wow. and, and train and kick everyone's ass in Muay Thai. <laughs> Everybody was like, "What the hell is this?" And, 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 and even when they when he left because he stayed for like a week, when he left, the producer of the of the Ultimate Fighter came to see me. George, 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 we need to get this guy. We need to keep this guy here. We need. It was it was good TV, you know. I was like, "No, no, he's leaving. He has to go back." It was making me look bad sometimes, you know. <laughs> Man, it was like it was like giving. I know. Like, and he's not an imposing looking guy, which no, is amazing. No. When you look at him, he's not like a scary looking. But he doesn't know anything about MMA. That's the thing. He has no idea who was Chuck Liddell, who was Anderson. He had no idea. He came yeah. in the room and he saw all those pictures. Like, who's these guys are? You know, like he knows all those like uh, famous Muay Thai guys, but MMA right. doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, he fights ties. Like he's yeah. he fights in Lumpini Stadium and yeah, he fought Buakau. The guy. Yeah, he, he slide. He, he cut Buakau with a spinning elbow in the head you know like he lost that fight but you took that fight on a short notice like like a few days notice and he was underweight wow. it was he had to gain weight for uh, the, the, the the weight class the, the weight class he doesn't care he has like he has like courage like crazy wow it's weird because you look at the guy you would never think that guy's no. a fighter oh, it's amazing, it's amazing. <laughs> His character we're, we're surrounded by a lot of character kickboxing world. is much more famous in europe than it is in America, isn't it? True. I believe the level is, is higher in Europe. Yeah. Apparently, the glory, though, they're going to start to bring glory to someone. Um, they, I think they're going to bring it to – Frank Shamrock said they're going to bring it to CBS Sports. Uh, I don't know what channel that is, you know, which, which you know, I know. I think CBS has, like, a, a bunch of different channels that they own. But if they start airing those, like, high-level, you know, like uh, Gokan Saki and Daniel Gita and all these, like, high-level heavyweight guys, that's some wild shit to watch. It's true. It's true. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, bring that here. Yeah. It's so funny how, like, the difference in just, like, a pure straight-up kickboxing match, you know, when guys have no worries about being taken down. You know, and when people say, oh, like the level of kickboxing in MMA is not as high as the level of kickboxing. It's a different distance. Yeah, it's everything's different, different, right? You cannot compare. It's different stance. Look, at Alistair Overeem got knocked out by uh, the, what is Antonio it? Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Yeah, Silva. Yeah. But he's a K1 champion. Yeah. Got, you know, it, 
It's I because think it's not the few... same thing. It's not the same thing. There I mean, was... I mean, it's easy to adapt when you're a higher level K1 guy to adapt to MMA timing, but this, the timing is different. I think Alistair had some issues going into that fight. Oh, it could, it could be too. Like yeah. I don't know the inside of it, but I, I'm just thinking. He's got a testosterone issue. Ah, uh, he's got yeah. low testosterone because yeah. he, he, you know, he he tested high for testosterone. Like he had taken something. Okay. And now he has low testosterone. Okay, but I mean. Like it's it's just an like an example. I don't know the the behind right. behind closer whatever. He just didn't but. look like he had a lot of energy, and Bigfoot mm. Silva waited until he got tired and just beat the shit out of him. Mm. That was uh that was a, a brutal knockout too. Yeah, I remember. I was surprised to see that. I was like, oh my god, I was not expecting this. Bigfoot Silva looked awesome. That was an amazing combination, man. I mean, you know whether. Uh, Alistair was hurt or not, the combination he leveled him with was devastating. You know, it just, I mean, he was, key. it was like, it was a lot like, like, remember Phil Baroni and Dave Manet? Remember that knockout where Phil Baroni had Dave Manet oh. pinned up against the cage? Oh, that was violent, yeah. It was not quite as bang, violent bang, bang, as bang, that. Bang, bang. Oh. oh, he hit him like four times before Manet can even drop. That was bad, yeah. And Baroni could fucking hit. Yeah. And he's teeing off on him and literally he's keeping him standing with his punches. This Bigfoot one wasn't quite as devastating as that, but it was number two. Yeah, man, it was like bouncing on the fence, like yeah. bang, 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 bang. It was like the greatest punching highlight reel knockout ever, that Baroni Manet fight. It's true. It was bad. It was bad. Some of the, those knockouts you watch are like, ooh. Yeah. When, um, when you first lost your title to Matt Serra, that was the first time that Matt, you. Matt, 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 uh, no, no, Matt Serra, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. When you lost your title to Matt Serra and, you know, and Matt Serra stopped you, you know, that was, was that like, that had to be like the most devastating loss of your career, right? It was, but I learned something valuable that allowed me to survive to Carlos Condit. What was that? When I got hit by Matt Serra, the first punch, he, 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 he uh, I make me very dizzy. And I was so proud. Like pride, it's a good thing, but it could be a bad thing. I was so proud. I'm, I'm a very proud person. So I got I got uh, wibble. You say in English, right? Wobbled. I got I got wobble, and instead of back off and say, "Oh, I'm gonna go back to my sense," wait, wait that I go go back to my equilibrium before reattacking. I got wobble, and I got so angry. I was like, "I can't believe this guy!" Because back in the day, it was like five to one, ten to one the the odds. I was like, "I can't believe I get." Wobble by a guy like this, you know, like, like back in the day, like it, I was, I was angry that I got wobbled. I was a proud guy, first time I ever happened in my life. So I wanted to give it back to him as fast as I can. But Masaru hit very hard, so I, I was, I was, I, I didn't have any equilibrium. I got a wobble with one shot, then I tried to jump back into a war with him, into a, a slugfest with him. Well, I was wobble and he wasn't. So I got punched like boom, boom, boom. Then he started tee, tee off on me and then I fall down and I tap. I, I knew I was completely out. out. I, I, if I would have keep going, I would be like, you know, I had, you know, I had right. to stop. And thanks God the referee stopped. But what happened with Carlos Condit is same situation. I got kicked in the head. Then, then instead of telling, oh, I need to give it back to him, I fall on the ground. I said, you know what? Yes, I got caught. Then relax now. It's time to re defense. Catch up your breath. Catch up your, your senses. Bang, bang, bang. I focus on my defense, my shield. Close everything, every opportunity he has to hurt me. And then I came back after. So I step into my, my, uh, my ego a little bit. 
tried to accept the fact that I got hit, relax, and then I came back later. That's a little bit of that's the experience that I gained from that loss with Matsara that allowed me to survive Carlos Condit. Oh, interesting. Because Carlos Condit dropped me with that 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 kick. Uh-huh. Matsara, the first time he cut me, I wobbled, but I didn't drop. Like I was I was on my feet. But I tried to get back right into a slug fest with him uh-huh. instead of, of backing up, try to use my footwork. Get back to my senses, and that's what happened. I got cut. You know, sometimes you learn uh, during a loss, and that's what happened to me. Matsaro, by beating me, he helped me become a better martial artist. You know, the uh, kick that what what had you in more trouble? The punch by Matsaro or the kick by Condit? But the, the kick, I believe, with Condit was like harder, was a bigger kick. The, the, the first punch, if you look, the punches of Sarah finished me because it was many punches. And I, it, I took many punches before I fall. And I, I, when I fall, I was too late. I was completely dizzy, you know. But, but I should have, when I got punched and wobbled, because that's how he hit very hard. And I never seen that punch coming. I should have stepped back and, or hold him or go for, you know, instead mm-hmm. of try to slugfest with him. And Condit, when I got, I got dropped, I said to myself, I said, okay, like don't go back into all. Because I couldn't go back, try to go a single, go back up right away. I said, okay, use the guard, up, 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 close close everything. And, and you know, the, because I was this a little bit too condit, you know. I mm-hmm. didn't see the kick coming at all. I follow his body and his kick come on the side and, and on the temple. He, he, bro- he, he, he damaged my uh, temple artery. Uh, by the way, it was a hard yeah. kick, man. It was yeah, hard. it looked like a hard I kick. I had to go to hospital after and get it fixed, you know. You, you have to go in 10 minutes? Is that what's going on here? Is that why you guys were having a fucking conversation? <laughs> what What is it? What's going on? You know, have another interview? Man, what kind of other interview you got? Some boring-ass bullshit is what you got. What do you got to do? <laughs> All right, it's other uh, PR stuff for the book, I guess. Ah, the book, PR stuff. Um, so everybody wants to And know. I need to go train too, Joy. Yeah, where are you going to train tonight? Uh, Freddy Don't Rose. tell anybody, man. They're going to go watch you. Ah, uh, they have the security. Curves. Gonna... curves. Um, do you, um, like, now that you, you, you just beat Diaz, there's a lot of people that are coming up in the 170-pound division. Of course, Johnny Hendricks is the, the big name and Jake Ellenberger and all these different guys. Do you, at one point in time, there's been a lot of talk uh, at one point in time of you guys getting together and you and Anderson Silva meeting maybe at a catch weight or something like that and fighting in a, su- a super fight. Yeah, is, is that question everybody asks me? They asked me that even before I came back from my injury, you know? Right. Like they wanted me, like, I need to do stuff in my division before I think, because it's new, it has moved now. So right. I, I don't, like, I know Silva is fighting uh, Chris Weidman, but Anderson Silva is very big, you know? He's uh, one, he's 230 pounds, you know? He's a very big guy, he walk around yes. very big. And I'm 190 pounds. Right. And if he's a lot of weight different. So, uh, you know, if this fight happens, uh, one day we're going to have to decide what weight class and, uh, you know, everything. But this is, you know, I'm uh, try to see, figure out what's gonna happen, what weight class and everything. He says he can make 170. Nah, if he won't make 170, I wait 170 and he come 170. It's fine. Do you think that's possible? He was fighting back in the day in Japan at 168. That was a long time ago. Yeah, but he was he was over 25 years old. Wow. So you think he if he just did it slowly over a long time? Yeah. Probably. What's the biggest cut you've ever seen? The biggest weight cut? I did or. Anybody that you've ever seen anybody do? I don't do much, uh, a lot of cut. It would be easier for me to go fight at 155 than fighting at 185. I would be more at my weight. 
right. actually that uh, the one for, there's a guy at 155 they walk around 190 like me yes I've seen him yeah. because they they think I'm big because I have a large frame but I, I don't have a I'm not big guy I'm very uh, I'm not thick I'm not thick you know right. but uh, you know I uh, we'll see this fight like I now he's fighting women and like Hendrix is freaking out he want to fight me so you know we'll see you know what's going to happen in the future what do you think is next is it going to be the Hendrix fight that's not probably, carbon stone, probably right? car, car, uh, uh, Hendrix you know yeah probably. that's a big fight yeah but the thing is every like it's uh, always going to be a guy that people mm-hmm. say oh this guy going to beat you it's after Hendrix well, you know, we'll see, we'll see what's going to happen yeah, no, it's a good fight. It's uh, it's a fight that a lot of people want to see, and yeah. you you have a very talent stacked division. You know, you at the top, and look at how many uh, great contenders are at one seventy. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, it's a tough, uh, it's a very tough division. You know? What's it like walking around with that kind of stress? I mean, you got like a whole line of trained killers that want to get to the champ. You know, is that a, a difficult thing to manage? I'm not stressed. I try to take one fight at a time. You know, uh-huh. and uh, focus on one guy at a time. I have no choice. You know, I cannot split myself enough. You know, and for me, the last two fights were close to each other. And my second fight, the training camp, it, it was brutal. Like in a way that I didn't have mental break now i need to take a little break mentally to come back stronger after because I, otherwise i will i will get tired at what i do i will not be as good as i uh, i could i could be you know mm-hmm. but you still train you still constantly all the time but shape. i train for fun i don't train for performance which is different like i explained earlier right i train right. for myself i'm having a good time it's fun now, while you're doing this, do you keep up with your jiu-jitsu at all, or do yes. you just do your boxing? No, 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 no. I do jiu-jitsu too. You I do like everything. Yeah, yeah, it's very important. How many hours a day do you train? I depend. Like now, I'm going to have only maybe one hour and a half. I'm going to train at Freddy, and, and that's it. And then, I, you know, it depends my schedule. Normally, I train twice a week, twice, twice a day, uh, two, three, three, three hour maybe total, like two training of an hour and a half. The training itself is maybe 40, 45 minutes, 30 minutes. The mm-hmm. training itself, the talking, the this, the that, the changing, the mm-hmm. shout, you know, an hour and a half. Um, now, when you're, are you still doing gymnastics? Yes, I do. How, how often do you do that? Once, twice a week now. And you think that's like really responsible for uh, a lot of like, uh, yeah. I like ability gymnastics and, and track and field. I do yeah. track and field. I run track and track too. Like sprints and yeah. jumps and things 60, along those lines? 60, 100s, and 400s. And uh, you feel like that's the best kind of uh, exercise for, for MMA? Yeah, if I would have started all over again, because back in the day I used to train like an idiot. I was doing bodybuilder and uh, watching movies like, you know, Rocky and all this, you know, and Jean-Claude Van Damme, Ar- Arnold. I thought that was the thing. But in, right. back in the 90s, for my generation, that was the thing. Back in the day where I'm from, Canada, a mix of martial art and, and bodybuilding was the best mix you could be. You were, you were like you say, a badass. You know, right. you say that. Then in the, after we discovered that bodybuilder is not suited for, you know, mixed martial arts, it's better like do like uh, – I was doing more like uh, strength conditioning kind of stuff. Right, right, but then right. I found out after the strength conditioning, it was better – and Olympic lifting, I think it's better than gymnastics. Do you think it's track. better for your joints as well? Yes, track yeah. and field and gymnastics. If I would have to do – if let's say I would – George, let's say I would have to go back in time. I would have to tell myself that, like, George, stop all that bodybuilding stuff that you're doing. It's better to do gymnastic and uh, track and field. Is that because you're you're already a fairly physically strong guy and you're pretty strong from uh, wrestling as well? But if you, if I'm, someone... very, I'm very strong 
when I wrestle, when I when you know, when I grab someone mm-hmm. like in that strength. But if I lift weight, I'm not very strong. I bench like what two plate two plate and a half maximum. I'm not very strong bench press. People are like, my God, you're not very strong. I get it. I'm I'm not strong at lifting weight. When I was a when I was a kid, I remember I was in in school in, in secondary school, and everybody the thing was to have a big chest. You know, every guy <laughs> wanted to have a big chest. So I remember for years I used to do bench press, flies, dumbbell, and man, I never had a chest in my life. Is <laughs> I never had it. I, I I try so hard to train for it. I never had volume here, and and. You know, it's genetic, man. It's, that's the way it is. So I said, you know what? You know, I'm not going to do it, man. I'm I'm going to do for gym. Like, you know, I'm, I give up on it. <laughs> I give up. I have big legs, big, big butt, big, 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 uh, big calves. Say it. You were going to say I, cock. <laughs> say it. You were going to say it. You, no, no, but you, you know what I mean? I, I don't <laughs> I don't have chest, man. I, I try to work, but it, it's that one of these things that, you know, I give up on it, man. I give up. Well, get, you could always implants. do what uh, Tommy Morrison did. Get breast implants. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, but there's a lot of ways that I can use to have chest, you know? Have you seen that? The Tommy Morrison breast implants? No, I don't. I don't. Remember Tommy Morrison, the boxer? Tommy, the guy that he had the AIDS? That, <laughs> he had the AIDS. He has, is that him? Yes. He has, he yes. has a disease, right? He has disease. Yes, yes, yeah, okay, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, I heard that. I heard that. He, he also got breast implants. Oh, really? Yeah, pull that up, Brian. Pull it up, Tommy Morrison, breast implants. <laughs> Just why? Why am I doing this? Okay, here's why, folks. Because if there's a guy out there that's thinking about getting breast implants, and I can talk him out of it, I got to do my job. You got to see this. Take a look at this fucking picture. Uh-huh. This is Tommy Morrison. He has uh, pulling it up. Yeah, uh-huh. got to hit the switch. Is this it? Yes. Look at that. Oh, oh. man, that's not good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that's not that good, man. <laughs> that's hilarious. Wow. That's Yeah. Don't do that. That's what I'm saying, folks. Anybody, to anybody, please listen to me. Is there an unauthorized biography of you as well? Yes, there is. Who the fuck wrote that? I don't know. It is it's sad. You call up my mom. You know, my parents are very nice people, you know. They talk they they're from countryside. They they always very respectful to everybody. And this guy apparently called up my mom and my dad. My dad is an old nice guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He answered all the questions. And I told my friends, like, stop answering questions that people call like this, man, because, it's, you know, they're a little bit, it's a little bit naive. They don't know this, this, this thing. So I say, stop talking to people you don't know about, like, so some it. asshole just wrote a book based on that? Yes, yes, he did. Yeah. Wow. But he, he, it's, a, it's a bad one. book. He only talk about... My fights, he, he basically describe my fight. He don't say anything personal. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know right. me. So that's not a real unauthorized this, biography. No, no, no. The no, real one, no, the, the real one. one is The Way of the Fight. It's available uh, on Amazon. You can go buy it right now. It's available in bookstores. Kindle. Um, uh, yeah, you can get it on a Kindle. You can get it on audible.com. Can you get it on Audible? Mm-hmm. Are you talking it? Is some you know? Is no, no, it it's me. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, you it's doing. It? You I read start it? doing. I start doing it when I when I uh, add my ACL surgery, oh. and I, that's why I start writing down stuff. And but I didn't wrote all word myself. It's in English. I don't write. Right. In, but it's made with someone. I need it like. Uh, so you don't write it in English at all. You just speak it. Uh, yeah, I speak. I write English, but I I would you know I would not write a book in English because it, it has been made in English first, then in French. So his his, his name is Justin Kinsley, who's a friend of mine who wrote it. Who, 
who wrote uh, the book for for me. But I, he took stuff that I say and, I, and my notes, stuff that I write myself in French. He's, he's, he speak both languages by ah. so he, he switched it to the book. Oh, so you s- switched it to English? Yeah, oh, it's, cool. it's, an, it's not a biography. It's not about an MMA book. It's not a book for MMA. It's a book for more general public. You know, what's it all about? It's about my the the tactic that I use. Uh, to be to start where I come from and to be world champion, I find myself goals and uh, uh, drills, the repetition, and I keep doing every day, and that's all you know. So that's what the book is about. Yeah, it's more so, philosophical stuff. Oh, wow. It's more a philosophical book. It has nothing to do with MMA. It talk about MMA, but it's like people that like it normally is people uh, because it, it not has been written by an MMA guy. The guy who written it doesn't know nothing about MMA. Ah. Even the MMA people sometimes they might read it and say the, the terms are because it, it may, you know sometimes little mistake we correct in the future that it would misunderstood but but is is a book about uh philosophy and and uh, the mindset of of someone where I come from, how I became successful from my experience. Well, George, you're a bad motherfucker. You're a cool guy. It's always uh, great to talk to you. Thank you, you know, Joe. Uh, I'm um, glad to be your friend. And it was uh, w- one of the coolest things in my life is being able to teach you uh, uh, <laughs> throw a turning sidekick. The fact that you would even listen to me when I tell you that I had a good one. You know, it was I'm going to do it in a fight one day. I promise <laughs> you. I promise. I'm not comfortable enough. I'm going to do soon. I, well, let's tighten it up, man. Let me let me give you some drills. I got some drills for it that can uh, that can definitely help you out, help you increase accuracy. And uh, we'll, we'll do it some more. We'll train some more. For sure, man. Love you, buddy. Thank you, Thank man. you very much, my friend, and best of luck to you in the future. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of this abbreviated episode of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Um, thanks to Hover. Uh, go to hover.com forward slash Rogan. Get 10% off your domain name registrations. Thanks to stamps.com. Enter in the code word J-R-E in the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and save yourself some shekels, son. Uh, for any information on uh, Brian's upcoming comedy shows, go to deskquad.tv, and, uh, including podcasts that you can get only on iTunes under the Dead Squad, <clears throat> Death Squad label. Like um, uh, Ryan Keeley's Muff Said and uh, Kevin Pereira's Pointless. It's uh, uh, also the Death Squad uh, Ice Ice House Chronicles, which we do on a regular basis. And we probably will do tomorrow night. You want to do one tomorrow night? Sure. We're going to do one tomorrow night, you dirty bitches. Uh, Tomorrow night we'll see you guys at the uh, world-famous Ice House Comedy Club in Pasadena with Tommy Segura, Tony Hinchcliffe, Burt Kreischer, Brian Redband, and myself. And uh, until then, we love you. Go fuck yourself. Thank you.